You know, when I watch TV, when I listen to the radios, look on the computer, it's like reading the Bible today. Amen. Signs of the end times. I believe, in, believe we're in the last days according to the Word of God. There's so many signs out there. The Bible said would happen in the last days. And that's what I want to share about tonight. And in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the end times. It says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parent, unthankful, unholy, do you see that today? Everywhere. Everywhere. And it goes on. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are good. When you stand up for the Word of God, people despise you for standing for the Word of God. It goes on and says, traitors, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In this day and age, do you see churches growing in leaps and bounds? You usually don't see them. And in verse uh, 4, it says, uh, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. When you go over to Notre Dame, it wasn't too long ago, the stadium would seat 60,000 people. But you know it wasn't big enough. So they made it bigger. 80,000 people, Notre Dame Stadium seats for people to watch football. How many churches have you heard that isn't big enough to seat 60,000 people and they got to make it bigger to seat 80,000 to come to church? You don't see that today. Just like the Bible says, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. People can know all about their football team, all the players, how many yards they ran, all everything about them, but they don't even know one Bible verse. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And it says, goes on, they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And such turn away. They turn away from the true word of God. And in verse 7 says, they're ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth, which is the word of God. Everybody's learning. You can get on the computer, you can learn about every topic known to man. They're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, the Word of God. And in verse 12 it says, And all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. It isn't always easy being a Christian, especially today. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse and deceived, and being deceived also. And then it goes on in chapter 4. In verse 2 it says, Preach the word in season, out of season, reproof, rebuke, with all long suffering and with doctrine. And it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, the Word of God, and believe fables. 
There's a time when people will turn away from the true word of God and believe fables. They'll go to these, some of these big churches that it's a bunch of fluff. Some of these mega churches are getting bigger because they really don't preach the true word of God. They preach, be good, be kind, and they lead people into a false religion. I heard one preacher say, some of these these churches, some of these pastors are leading people to hell with a positive attitude. They think they're doing God's work. They think they're doing good deeds and kind things, but they never came to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. It doesn't matter how good you are. You cannot make it to heaven. If you could make it to heaven on your good works, Jesus Christ wouldn't have had to die on the cross. The Bible says our righteousness is but filthy rags. There's none righteous, no, not one, what the Word of God says. So you see this happening in the last days. And in uh, Matthew chapter 24, it talks about the end times. I'm starting with verse 3. And as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, When Jesus answers, when Jesus talks, we need to listen. He says, Take heed that no man deceives you, that no man fools you. For many shall come in my name and say that I am Christ and shall deceive many. Have you heard of Jim Jones, David Koresh? These people led so many people to death. And they claim to be Jesus. They claim to be prophets. And it goes on. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Are we hearing of wars and rumors of wars today? Everywhere. It just goes on and on. We have Russia and the Ukraine. We got Iraq, Iran, South, North Korea, South Korea. We got ISIS. We got Syria. We got Israel. We got all these things coming about. And it says, See that your heart not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence. Pestilence is diseases. Right now we, we talk about what? Ebola. That's the latest pestilence coming about. Earthquakes all over. There's more earthquakes now than ever since they've been documenting them. It says earthquakes in diverse places, and all these are the beginnings of sorrows. And in verse 11 says, Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity, because sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Do you see how people become cold and hard? You can't trust them anymore. They're out just for themselves. It doesn't seem like they even have compassion or a heart. It says the love of many will be wax cold. And verse 21 says, For then there shall be a great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. 
But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. There's a time. Talk about the great tribulation period coming. It's a seven-year period of great tribulation. And uh, what's going to be the biggest sign of this great tribulation when it starts? It says there's going to be a peace treaty made with Israel that's supposed to last seven years. And when you see this peace treaty, it's supposed to last seven years. That should mark the start of the seven-year tribulation period. And you know, right now, you hear all sorts of talks about Israel and Syria and Russia and all these. you got Iran saying they're going to devastate and take Israel off the earth. The Jews. And it's coming. And for many years, hundreds of years, even thousands of years, people have been saying, the end is near, the end is near. And a lot of people crying wolf. They really didn't know what was really supposed to happen towards the end times. But you know, there are certain things that had to happen before this tribulation period starts. Israel had to be a nation before this tribulation period. Israel wasn't a nation for over 2,000 years. But in May 14th of 1948, Israel became a nation again. That's one of the signs of the end times. And another sign of the end times, the Jews would have to have Jerusalem again. And in uh, June 10th of 1967, the Jews got Jerusalem back. So things are coming together. And another sign that has to be fulfilled for the Great Tribulation to come. The old Roman Empire has to be a power in the last days. Well, you ever hear of the European Common Market, the European Union? That's the same countries that their old Roman Empire was. So it's coming together. And it says in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, it talks about Russia being a power in the, in the last days, the big bear. And Russia is a big power again. Remember, it wasn't too many years ago when they said, well, Russia is pretty well done for. But you know, they've been a sleeping giant. They're back. And they're flexing their muscles with the Ukraine right now. And it says in uh, Daniel chapter 11, in Revelation chapter 16, that powers of the East has to rise again. That would be China. And in the last days, Iran, Persia, and all them are going to be a power again. They're a power again. They're trying to make their nuclear weapons, which they probably already have. Ezekiel 38 talks about that again. And in Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 2, and I'm telling you, a lot of these, like Ezekiel and Zechariah and all this stuff, these books of the Bible were written like 2,600 years ago. And Zechariah 12, it talks about Jerusalem being a, a cup of trembling to all peoples around about. When you turn on the news, you almost hear about Israel about every day, don't you? In Jerusalem. And it says, Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling to all people around about. In Zechariah 
12, verse 3, Jerusalem will be a burdensome stone, all people, all that burden themselves with it. In uh, Isaiah chapter 27, also in chapter 35, it talks about Israel being a desert, but in the last days would blossom as a rose. Like I say, it wasn't even a country for 2,000 years. The Jews didn't have it for 2,000 years. And it was nothing but a desert place nobody really wanted. But it says in the last days, Israel would blossom as a rose. You know, I looked on the internet. In, in March of 2008, there's an article about Israel blossoming as a rose. It says one of their largest exports was roses. And at Valentine's Day in Europe, Europe imported 125 million flowers. They bought them from Israel at Valentine's Day. It's over five thousand tons of flowers was exported to Europe from Israel. So the prophecies, it's, it's just awesome what you see. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, people that make fun of the Word of God and saying, where is the promise of His coming? Where is the promise of the Lord's coming? For since the fathers died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. They're saying there is no God. Where is, he, where is His coming? You hear that over and over again, people, believing in evolution instead of God creating the earth. You know, if you really think of evolution, it's really downright stupid. And I'm going to tell you why. How many ever seen Mount Rushmore or seen pictures of Mount Rushmore where the four presidents' heads are carved right out of the rock, out of the stone, on the mountainside? It's an awesome scene, isn't it? It's huge. Well... What if I told you over millions and billions of years rains fell on the mountains and winds blew and over millions and billions of years nature carved those four heads onto that mountainside. Would you believe that? Would anybody believe something that stupid? But people will believe those heads that are represented there, those men evolved. You know what I'm saying? They won't believe that, them, that those stones were carved naturally, but they'll believe that the men those stones represent were made by billions and billions of years. Look at the human eyeball. If it evolved over billions and millions of years, is it worth anything until it's totally evolved? Until it works, it's worthless, right? And same with a bird. If, we, if birds evolved from slithering lizards, until a bird can actually fly, how long would it last? Until a wolf or a coyote or something got it, right? So evolution is a lie of Satan trying to keep people from believing in a God. It's also like this watch. You know this watch? I know somebody designed this watch. And somebody made this watch. It didn't evolve over billions and millions of years and I found it in the sand along the beach. You wouldn't believe that, would you? 
Okay, how can we believe in evolution that our bodies and everything you see, a hummingbird that's designed specifically for certain flowers, just evolved itself with a long beat so it could stick down into the flower? So you can go on and on with the evolution lie. And that's one of the big deceptions of Satan in the last days. And it also says, it, in the last days, this is in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, in the last days, knowledge and travel would greatly increase. When you say knowledge and travels greatly increase within the last hundred years, we went from riding horses to send people on the moon, and we got phones now to do more than any mega computer years ago could do in a building. Knowledge and travel greatly increase. Like I said, you can get on a computer and learn about any topic you want in this day. Knowledge has greatly increased. Travel has greatly increased. Signs of the end times. And another sign of the end times is Ezekiel chapter 36. It talks about the Jewish people. He says, For I will take you from among the heathens and gather you out of all countries and bring you back into your own land in the last days. That's what he did. For years there's been a, a shortage of housing for all the Jews that's been coming to Israel to live. And it says in Ezekiel 36, verse 10, I will multiply men among you. All the house of Israel and the cities will be inhabited and the wasteland shall be built. That's what's happening or has happened now. And Ezekiel 38 talks about a big war in the last days coming. In the latter days, it says that Russia, Turkey, Persia, Libya, Turkey, all these countries are coming down to try to take Israel. In the last days, it says they're coming to take a spoil. And I was reading that one of the spoils they may want to take is oil. I've heard stories there may be a big oil supply under Israel. Wouldn't that be something if all of a sudden they find oil? But it says that these countries are going to come down and try to take Israel. In Ezekiel 38, verse 9, it says, They shall come like a cloud to cover the land and all of its bands and people with them in the latter days against my people of Israel. And down further, Ezekiel 39, it says, And the Lord says, I will turn thee back and leave but one sixth part. It says, the Lord says he's going to destroy five-sixths of this army that comes down to try to take Israel. And it says in Ezekiel 39, verse 12, there's going to be so many dead, it's going to take seven months shall the house of Israel be burying the dead from this war. Seven months is quite the battle. Another sign of the end times is the one world government. And in Revelations chapter 13, it talks about the one world government. And everybody will have to take the mark in their hand or in their forehead to buy or sell anything. You ever hear the mark of the beast, 666? That's when that's going to happen. During the tribulation period. To buy or sell anything, you'll have to take the mark. Until recently... 
nobody could figure out how you could keep track of everybody. This, is, this was written 2,000 years ago. And it tells that there's going to be a mark in your hand or in your forehead and track everybody. We have these little microchips. I know you can get them for your dog. I know I put one that went to the vet. They put one in our dog's shoulder blades, a, a, like a grain of rice, a microchip. If the dog gets lost, they just scan this thing and it reads that microchip. Tells who the owner is, whatever. Well, the technology is there today. And it was told 2,000 years before. And in the last days, that's what's going to happen. But it also says that if you take that mark, you'll be damned to hell. That's a mark of Satan. Terrible times will happen. And it says if you don't take the mark, you'll be beheaded. And you know, that's written 2,000 years ago. And until recently, have we heard much about beheading? Just recently, we've been hearing about it, haven't we? Amen. Isn't that something? And it talks about being beheaded for Christ. This day and age, there's a lot of people out there that say, I don't have any need for God. But wait till the seven-year tribulation period. When God takes His restraints away, people that didn't need God, they may find out what it's like with God letting evil prevail. Let the restraints be loosened. Let's let Satan do his thing. See how nice it's going to be. Even this country today, which was founded on godly principles, there's a great falling away. And people say, well, Christianity doesn't have nothing to do with this country. They don't know their history. I'm going to tell you a little bit of history about this country. It was founded on godly principles, the Bible and Christianity. Here's some history. The first Bible printed in the English language in the United States of America was printed by the U.S. Congress in 1782. And they said this was a unique edition of the Holy Scriptures for use in our schools. And in front of this cover of this Bible says, Congress recommends this edition of the Bible to the people of the United States of America. We don't hear that, do we? That's fact. And in 1830, Congress commissioned four paintings to capture for the records the Christian history of the United States of America. And these four paintings are in the Capitol building today. And one painting represents a Bible study. Two represents prayer meetings. And one painting represents a baptism hanging up in our Capitol building today. The U.S. Capitol building was the first mega church. Did you know that? The first mega church, big church, was our Capitol building. December 4th, 1800, members of, Cong members of the Senate and Congress decided to turn the Capitol building on Sundays into a church. Six weeks after Thomas Jefferson became president, for the next eight years, for those eight years, President Jefferson went to church at the Capitol building. 
Being commander-in-chief, he had the Marine Corps band play worship service songs at the Capitol building. Do you ever hear that? Do you ever hear these things? These are facts. By 1857, over 2,000 people came to church on Sunday at the Hall of Representatives, and four churches met at the Capitol building. Nothing, nothing secular about these buildings until about 40 years ago. Out of 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, 29 had seminary or Bible degrees. Isn't that awesome? And now what do we have today? We have ACLU and I don't know, all these atheist organizations trying to take God out of everything. Out of schools, out of, out of government, everything they can. And since they've been doing a pretty good job of it, what do we have in schools? You know, when teachers, years ago, teachers' problem was kids chewing gum and throwing spit wads in school. But now, what do they got today? They got murders, they got people, drugs. Rapes in public schools today. No respect for anybody. It's me, 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 and you got gangs out there. You got all this. And our country is getting to be an open sewer for sin. Everywhere you turn. Wickedness, pornography, drugs, alcohol. It's destroyed so many families today. And my guess, a lot of you guys in here today... It's usually somehow related to drugs or alcohol, pornography, somehow along that line today. And it's destroyed the family that we know it today. How many kids have a mom and dad that are staying with the kids, that are raising the kids, and the parents are the spiritual leader of the home? If you're a dad here tonight, you're the spiritual leader of your home. And someday you're accountable before the Lord Jesus Christ for how you raise your family. You're the protector. And in Matthew, Jesus was talking about Israel. And what He did, He was looking over the city of Jerusalem. And his heart went out to these people. He cared about the people. And here's what he said. Jesus said this, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, that killed the prophets and stoned them that are sent unto you, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not. You would not come to me. You went the other way. We, we, he said he sent the prophets. And you stoned them. You killed them. The men of God, you killed them. And how often I cared about you. I loved you. And he says I was like a hen. And you could be like the chicks and you could hide under my protective arm. But he says, but you would not. And you could relay that to the United States of America day, today. Oh, USA. Oh, USA. You killed the prophets and stoned them that were sent to you. How often would I have gathered 
You under, even as a hen gathers her chicks under your wings, but you would not. We've turned away from God, and we're starting to pay the price for that today, I believe. This country is not anything like it used to be. My buddy Art, that's 86, will tell you, this country is not like it used to be. People didn't used to even lock their doors of their home. People had respect for one another's property. People had respect for the Word of God. I remember a church I went to not too many years ago. It kept getting broke into until they put security system on the doors. Churches never used to have to be locked. But today they do. There's no respect for the Lord. A great falling away. But you know, God still cares. And there is a way out of this sin, this sewer of sin that's in our country today. And it's a verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Here's what the Lord says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways... Then shall I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their lands. That's the only answer for the cancer of the United States of America today. Humble ourselves. You know, what's, a, what's the opposite of humbling? It's pride and arrogance, and that's what we have in this country today. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Pride. That's sin. We need to humble ourselves to Almighty God. And it's not always easy being a Christian. Jesus said, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. They hated me, they'll hate you. What did they do to Jesus? What did they do to Jesus? Crucified. Jesus says this, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Take up his electric chair and follow me. Die to self. For whosoever will save his own life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and loses his own soul. If you have all the fancy cars, boats, money, women, all that stuff, for what shall profit a man if he gains all the worldly things, but loses his own soul? Because everything in this room is temporary. Everything in this world is temporary. Everything you see, this building's going to fall apart. Your body is a temporary holding place for your soul. It's going to die. The only thing that's eternal is your soul, and you can't see it. And that soul spends eternity in heaven or hell. No, there's no middle of the road. Yeah, being a Christian isn't for sissies. You have to be a real man to stand for Christ. Because it's easy to hang with a, with a group, but it's hard to be different. It's hard to take a stand for Jesus when the world says, uh, you're stupid. There's 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and also says in Proverbs 16, verse 25, the same verse. So it must really mean something. It's in Proverbs two different times, the same way. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, spiritual death. You know, I talk gloom and doom tonight. But you know, I read the end of the book. I read the end. And we win. The Christians win. The Lord wins. And let me read what it says. Revelations 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared for his bride. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And verse 4 says this, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Isn't that good news? Amen. And verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and you shall be my sons. But it also says, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the saucers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The second death. The first death is our physical death. The second death is our spiritual death, being separated from God for all eternity. For how long? All eternity, separated from God. The Bible talks about hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth, fire, brimstone, place of loneliness. Some people say, I'll be, out, I'll be done in hell with all my buddies. No, you won't. You'll be separated for all eternity in torment. It's not a place to go. And God loved us so much, He gave us a choice. We make our choice. God sends no one to hell. We send ourselves by rejecting Jesus Christ. If you would die today, where would you be? Would it be heaven or would it be hell? Do you know? The Bible says you can know. If you're not for sure, you're probably on your way to hell. And it's not what I'm saying. It's what the Word of God says in 1 John 5.13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know it by asking Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, some of the verses that led me to Christ, I'm going to read to you. John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Verily, verily, Jesus says this, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he says in verse 5, 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is the flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. A lot of you know John 3.16, but you probably don't know the ones below it. I'm going to read a few more. John 3.16 starts out, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already. And it goes on. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Examine. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and that his deeds may be made clear that they are right unto God. They come to the light, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Jesus fills a void we try to fill with earthly things. Do you have that void in your life, always trying to find happiness and never finding it? Only Jesus can do that. It's like a big puzzle. And there's one piece that's got to fit just perfect. And we try to fill it with all these earthly things. But Jesus fills that void. We try to fill with earthly things. And God's goal and will in our lives isn't always to make us happy, healthy, or wealthy. God's will and goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. God says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Is the Lord knocking on the door of your heart tonight? Every time I come to this jail, I leave with this story. If you heard me preach, you pretty well heard this story about the two cats. And the reason I tell this story, I've been coming here for over 23 years, and I've talked to a lot of men. And a lot of them tell me, Gary, when I'm here in the jail, I try to do good. And I say, I'm never coming back to this jail again. But you know, I keep coming back. I'm in and out. What can I do that I never come back to this jail? And I tell them this story because it has the wisdom in it to tell you. About an old missionary rode on horseback. Before they had cars, he carries a big old Bible. And he had a burden for the Indian people. 
He went from Indian village to Indian village telling him about Jesus. And one day, an old Indian chief came to Jesus. And so the missionary, he goes on to other villages, and about three months later, he comes back. And he sees the old Indian chief sitting by the fire one evening. And he goes over and sits by him, and he says, How is it being a Christian now? And the Indian chief says, It's great. My sins are forgiven. The load of sin I always carried around, it's gone. I have peace that I never had before. And I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. But he says there's two cats inside of me, and they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed, they're fighting. And the missionary says, what do you mean there's two cats inside of you fighting? And the Indian chief says, one cat represents the flesh, the things that always got me in trouble, the things I always like to do. And the other cat represents the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ living within me. And when I start, the flesh starts tugging at me, do the bad things, the Holy Spirit says, hey, stop! Do what's right. Do the good things. And he said they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And a missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And the old Indian chief says, the one I feed the most wins. If you're just feeding the flesh, that's what's going to control your life. And you get out of here, you get around the same old friends, doing the same old stuff that got you in trouble, you'll be right back in here. But what will keep you out? You feed the spiritual cat. Jesus Christ living within your heart. You pump up spiritually. A weightlifter. How do they get strong? They keep pumping iron, they eat the right food, right? To be a powerhouse for Jesus, you got to pump up spiritually. You got to pray. You got to get stronger spiritually by communicating with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to keep you out. I want to close with this story. It's got a powerful message in it. It's called the blood. One night in a church service, a young woman felt a tug of God at her heart. She responded to God's call and accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and her Savior. The young woman had a very rough past, evolving. She was into alcohol, drugs, and prostitution. But the change in her was evident. As time went on, she became a faithful member of the church. She eventually became involved in the ministry teaching young children. It's not very long until the, the faithful young woman had caught the eyes in the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew, and they began to make wedding plans. This is when all the problems began. You see, about half of the church did not think that a woman with a past such as hers was suitable for the pastor's son. The church began to argue and fight about the matter. So they decided to have a meeting. As the people made their arguments, tensions increased. 
The meeting was getting completely out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all the things were being brought up about her past. As she began to cry, the pastor's son stood to speak. He could not bear the pain that was causing his future wife. He began and spoke this statement. My fiancé's past is not what's on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So does his blood wash away sin or not? The whole church began to weep as they realized they had slandered the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor's son continued and he said, Too often, even as Christians, we bring up the past and we use it as a weapon against our brothers and sisters in Christ. Forgiveness is a very foundational part of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the blood of Jesus does not cleanse the person completely, then it cannot cleanse us at all. If that's the case, then we are all in a lot of trouble. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Case closed. That was the end there. You know, I feel led to sing this song, and I don't sing too often. But it goes along with this I just read. It's called Nothing But Blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus for my for my pardon. This I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I plead, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen.